Hi, I'm Joe, and this is Carice. We're here at our home in Lakeville, and we're going to read you some scripture today from Luke chapter 2, specifically verses 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, welcome, friends. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. If we haven't met before, my name's Rob Jacobson. I'm the lead and founding pastor of Restoration Covenant Church, and we're so glad that you're with us today. So as we get started, uh, I want to start with a story, something I found out uh, in the last couple weeks, uh, and it's about Finland. Uh, Christmas is kind of a, a pretty big deal in Finland. In fact, there's this tradition that happens there every year called the Declaration of Christmas Peace. In fact, it's been happening there every year, except for just a couple of times, since the 1300s. That's 700 years of doing this tradition, this declaration of Christmas peace. See, every year at noon on Christmas Eve, the declaration of Christmas peace is read in the city of Turku. I think I said that right. Uh, it's read usually by a city official on the balcony of a historic mansion at the center of the Great Old Square. It's broadcast on radio and then on television and now it of course can be streamed on the internet. And the proclamation serves as this reminder and encouragement to spend the holidays in harmony. It actually threatens offenders with severe punishments and to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Now, I can't do it in Finnish, but I'll read it in English. The proclamation goes like this. Tomorrow, God willing, is the graceful celebration of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all. 
by advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully, because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall, under aggravating circumstances, be guilty and punished according to what the law and statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. Finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all the inhabitants of the city. In other words, you better not mess with the Finns' Christmas peace. But seriously, what a great reminder that since Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, that we ought to live in harmony with one another. Well, if you've been journeying with us through this Advent season this past week, then you know we've been celebrating Advent. And Advent is this word that means uh, waiting or arrival. And it's a season is marked by anticipation and expectation. It's not just an extension or an add-on to Christmas. It's really a season that links the past, the present, and the future. In Advent, we're invited to join in with the ancients in the longing for the coming of the Messiah. In the present, to celebrate his birth and then to be alert for his second coming. In each week, we're focusing on a different attribute of God represented in the coming of Jesus. Last week, we talked about hope. Today, we're talking about peace. Then we'll go to joy and then we'll go to love. And then finally, we'll celebrate the Christ on Christmas Eve. And so today we're talking about rediscovering peace. Now, the story told in Luke 2 is considered God's birth announcement to the world. And I'm honestly thankful that my kids were born before Instagram. Our friends and family seem pretty content with a pretty picture postcard that's, you know, said who, which one of our kids was born. I mean, nowadays people go all out. Professional photo shoots, fireworks, I even saw personalized champagne bottles. Well, God's announcement is not like that, but it is pretty impressive as told by Luke. It says, suddenly, in the middle of this dark and ordinary night in the countryside of Bethlehem, an angel appeared in the sky and then is joined with myriad angels, and the New Living Translation calls them the armies of heaven. I mean, imagine how magnificent and glorious and actually terrifying that sight must have been. But then the sound. Oh, I mean, all of together, these incredible angels start praising God, glorifying him, probably singing, glorifying God in heaven and declaring peace to humanity on earth. And I wonder what the sounds would have been like, like what kind of harmony they produced or the melody that they made and what language or languages did they speak when they came and could anyone else hear them or see them? And then the angels disappear as suddenly as they appeared. It's the whole scene is just strange. But honestly, what's even stranger is who the angels appear to. I don't know if you've ever stopped to consider why the shepherds were the people that got to be the first to hear this message of peace and wholeness and God's favor. I mean, it's not like the shepherds had money, status, or power. They were ordinary and average. Technically, they were probably below average. I mean, they were like blue-collar, night-shift-working keepers of animals. They were overlooked. They were unable to testify in court. And they're never seen with the religious or social elite. They might have been viewed like people who haul garbage or clean stores after hours. 
just people that we tend not to see. And yet, I think it's another example of how God flips our expectations. I mean, this to me further proves the story is fact, not fiction. I mean, if humans were writing the story, don't you think they would go send the news to the very important people? So, why shepherds? I think maybe because God has a special place for shepherds because they tie so many biblical themes together. I mean, maybe it's because the people that God first chose to bless the world were shepherds. Think about it. Abraham, his son Isaac, and his son Jacob were all roaming ranchers. Now, we don't know exactly the animals we, they had. They likely had animals other than sheep, but we know they had sheep. And they weren't the only shepherds. I mean, Jacob's future wife, Rebecca, was a shepherdess. And Moses' future wife, Zipporah, was a shepherdess. And then generations later, Israel's greatest king, David, started as a shepherd. So maybe it's those reasons, or, or maybe it's because the shepherds represent Jesus' future ministry and teaching. The prophet Ezekiel spoke words of judgment against the religious leaders of his day because they were bad shepherds. They weren't taking care of the flock, actually God's people. Now, later, the prophet uh, Jesus called himself the good shepherd who knows his sheep, who hears them, and who will lay down his life for the sheep, his people. Now, later, the prophet John the Baptist calls Jesus the prince of uh, the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb. Now, when he announced this, the Passover Lamb was the Lamb that was sacrificed uh, for an ancient Jew on the most important of holidays. You'd paint the blood on the door frame. It reminded them that they were not only protected from that death angel, but also that's when God rescued them from Egypt. And so the sacrifice, the, the sacrifice of the Passover lamb would cover a person's sins and would be this stark reminder of the cost to be restored with God. Well, when Jesus entered the world to fulfill his destiny and identity, he came as the lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. His, he was the ultimate sacrifice for our punishment and payment for our sins. His resurrection allows us to be restored with God and his life made it possible for us to experience true peace. It's shalom in the Hebrew and it, it means this wholeness or completeness, this healing that reminds us of how God intended the world to be. So it could be for any or all of those reasons that God sent his angelic angels to the shepherds. Or it could just be because they were willing and available. I mean, God's favor is not based on what we do, not on human standards. His favor goes out to all those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness and their need for God. His peace is not based on status or power or money, or occupation, but actually on his purpose to bring good news to all people. I think that's good news. That's cause for great joy. I also see three insights about the shepherds and about God's peace that we can take and apply to our lives. And the first is this. Peace comes in unlikely places. 
I mean, think about it. The news of Jesus' arrival comes in the darkest of suffering and oppression and centuries of people questioning, why God and where are you? I know we've been living in this pandemic for months and we think, when is this going to stop? Where are you, God? And they've been doing that for not just years, not decades, but centuries. And God comes. He arrives. Peace comes to this young Jewish couple who is finding themselves simultaneously at the center of cosmic events and in the ordinary everyday struggles of traveling across the country safely to get to their destination for a government census. And peace comes to Mary who has to give birth far from home without the the midwives or the women who would have given her support both physically and socially in a challenging time in her life. And peace comes to these first-time parents who not just are dealing with and having to adjust to their first child, but actually God's son. See, it's in all of these places and all of these challenges that God's peace appears. And this is where God's peace continues to appear. In the unlikely places, in our pain, in our fears, in our confusion, even in our grief and loss. This is where the angels announce the newborn king. This is where Jesus is born. In the most unlikely of places, God's peace shows up. So peace comes in unlikely places. But two, peace overcomes our circumstances. I want to ask you a question and feel free to write it in the comments. But how does your Christmas season normally go? Would you use the words frantic, hectic, busy, stressed, frazzled, worried, not sure about how the family's going to get along or if you're going to fit everything in? Well, what about this year? How would you describe this year? It's certainly different, but is it better? Is it worse? There's certainly a level of uncertainty. But if you're honest, maybe peace in this time sounds like wishful thinking, like, gosh, I sure hope I have peace, but you're never going to bet on it. And if that's where you're at, first of all, that's okay. But have you named what's robbing you of your peace? I think a lot of us think that we're victims to our circumstances. And the reality is that Christ's peace comes and is available at all times. And it's a peace that overcomes our circumstances. And we have to start by naming what is stealing our peace. So have you named it? Have you called it out? Maybe it is an overloaded schedule. But maybe it's something bigger, something deeper, like family or marriage conflict pressures at work. Maybe it's even fear of a lost job or impending job loss. Maybe it's conflict with a friend. Or maybe it's just general relationship difficulties. Whatever it is, God knows and wants you to talk about it with him. He loves you. He cares about you. And if that's where you find yourself Let me encourage you that Jesus is near whenever life's circumstances threaten our peace. He cares and wants you to know. He wants to know where you're at. He wants to give you hope 
and joy and peace, even when the way seems unclear. So I don't know what hardships you're facing today. I don't know the pain you're feeling, but I know that God does. He cares and he's here and he's with you. He's bringing peace to your heart right now and it's a peace that overcomes your circumstances. And you might say, well, that's great, Rob. You don't really know the pain that I'm facing. And you're right, I don't, but I know God does. I can only sit and listen to whatever the stories of injustice or unfairness are. But there's a peace that comes that's deeper. It's a peace that overcomes your circumstances. It's a peace that even in the face of your experience, experiences and emotions that you can see, see and receive. The Apostle Paul describes this peace like this in his letter to the Philippians in chapter four. He says, Always be full of joy in the Lord, because again, it's not about what's happening to us. It's about whose we are. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is coming soon. And don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace. And it's a peace that goes beyond our understanding. And it's a peace that guards, it's a peace that guards our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ Jesus. See, let me encourage you again today, no matter what you're facing, that this process begins with us turning towards God. And again, we bring our hurts, we bring our fears, we bring our, our questions and our doubts. He tells us to pray about everything but then to also tell him what we need and to thank him for what he has done. Now, I don't always fully understand it. In fact, sometimes I rarely understand it, but I know that there's power in prayer. And I know that transformation grows best in the soil of gratitude and thankfulness. See, it's not about getting what we want. It's not about persuading God to see things our way. We can try. If you want to try to persuade God to see things your way, you can. I know he'll listen. I know he loves you more than you can ask or imagine. But instead of trying to persuade God to see things your way, true prayer transforms the way we see. Prayer helps us see God's perspective. And we, when we accept who he is and we accept that he's with us and that he knows and that he wants our best, then we can trust that he will see us through. And then we can experience that peace that heals, that peace that transforms, that peace that guards our hearts and our minds, that peace that protects us in the onslaught of anxiety. It's a peace that overcomes our circumstances. Now, you might be thinking like, okay, it still feels like peace is this mysterious feeling that I'm supposed to like grope in the dark and try to find and some people find it and some people don't. Let me just clarify. That's not peace. Peace is not something that some of us find and some of us don't. Peace comes as a person because peace is a person. Peace is Jesus. Paul tells the people in Ephesus, in chapter 2, that he, being Jesus, he himself is our peace. 
Ephesians 2.14. And long before Jesus came to earth that first Christmas, the prophet Isaiah calls Jesus the Prince of Peace in a, in a passage that's possibly familiar to you. It's a passage that we read in the Advent reading. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on until forever. Now, I want you to hear two things. You probably heard the political overtones in that message, and that might explain why the the Jewish people wanted this political Messiah that would overthrow the political government and would set up this new government. And that's there but also hear the spiritual undertones that are there too. That this peace, true peace, is both internal and external. See, sometimes we think about peace being just something that I get. But if it's true peace and only I have it, then it's not really peace. True peace is something that's for you and for me and for all of us, internal and external. See, God's kingdom is a kingdom of peace and justice and righteousness. That's both inside and outside, internal and external. Jesus Christ brought that peace into the world and he brings it to you and I today. He wants to offer you that peace, that shalom, that healing and that wholeness now and forever. See, Jesus comes to be God with us. And he offers this invitation to peace and rest. Hear it from the words of Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can you hear the peace that's being offered in those words? And if you're not in a place of peace, would you just hear them and let those words wash over you? If you're weary, if you're anxious, if you're burdened, come to Jesus. He'll not only give you rest, he'll give you peace. So what do you need to do? Where's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Is it that you need to realize that peace is available in any place, even the unlikely ones, even when there's pain and hurt and hardship, even when there's confusion and unclarity and loss, peace is available. And it's not just available, it overcomes circumstances. So what is the circumstance that you need to overcome? Have you named it to him? You can name it to us. We will pray for you. Put it in the comments. We will declare it. Our prayer team will rejoice with you. We will pray in in that with you. Maybe it's something deeper. Maybe it's a secret sin that you've been carrying and you don't have peace because you have been hiding it. and you, You don't even know what it would be to let it go. And you're certainly not willing to share it with anyone. But let me tell you, God knows. He knows and he loves you anyway. He loves you whatever you're carrying, whatever you're hiding. 
but you'll never experience the freedom until you let it go. And he wants to give you his peace. He says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. So have you named what's robbing you of your peace? And then in this time of Advent, how are you meeting Jesus? He is the Prince of Peace. He is the one that can rule in our hearts and our minds. He is the one who can protect us from the onslaught of anxiety. But are we coming to him? Are we actually doing what Matthew 11 says? Letting his yoke come on us and walking with him in his way. Again, it's not a challenge. It's an invitation. Wherever you're at, no matter where you're at. Again, let me encourage you to find peace in the unlikely places, even in the places of pain, in the places of challenge, even in the places where we're so busy that we're blind to peace. He is there. Again, we don't have to find it and grope for it. Peace is a person and it's Jesus. Would you come to him right now? Would you call out to him? He says that we can seek him and find him when we seek him with all our heart. So may Jesus be your peace this week. May he guard your soul and your mind. May he fill you with his spirit and give you healing and wholeness in a way that not only makes you whole, but blesses the world around you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Jesus, and I ask that we would come before you and we would name what is robbing you, what is robbing us of our peace. God, I pray for those right now in this time that are carrying something, something secret, something hidden, something that they just don't know if they can live without. It might not even be a sin. It might just be this crutch, God, this habit, this this thing that is tripping them up. God, I pray that they would just bring that before you. God, and that they would see you reaching out your hand and for them to just set it down. God, and in that moment, that they would feel your peace wash over them. That they would feel the lightness of that burden being taken away. God, for those that are harboring some bitterness towards someone else or a situation, I pray they would bring that. That would be their thing that they need to, to give to you. That, their, that your peace would be the exchange. And God, for those that are just in the franticness, even of this crazy Advent season, that are still jumping into a frantic pace, I just pray that you will come alongside them, that you will gently put your hand out, ask them to take it, and say, no, no, walk with me. Receive my peace. God, and in that, they would find their hope and their joy as well. Thank you for meeting us, God. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen.